Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. Welcome back to uh, season two of Hashtag Parenting Who podcast. Super excited to get back into the swing of things. Took a couple months off from the podcast and uh, that will be my intention moving forward. It's pretty standard in the podcast world to put out a season and uh, take a break, fine tune some things and reevaluate, take a break, a rest and um, then plan for the next season. And so that's what uh, what I was and have been doing. Today, I wanted to speak uh, about more so about uh, I had mentioned in the last podcast that aired um, episode 21, I think. Uh, I had shared that I had been going through uh, some personal struggles and I share that with you all only to humanize the the view or the idea of a therapist. We are human at the end of the day and that is the goal for my podcast and I wanted to share with you all what for me being a therapist I mean we're constantly prescribing things, we're suggesting things we're working with people who are usually not contacting us because things are going well in their lives. And I'm a huge advocate for um, having a relationship with a therapist regardless. Uh, I know that financially that's not always feasible, but I my purpose in uh, suggesting that you have a therapist regardless is things don't have to necessarily be going wrong in your life to reach out to a therapist. In fact, um, when things are not going wrong in your life, that's really the best time to strategize, to understand yourself, understand the way that you think, the way that your patterns and the way that you do things, but also most importantly, to establish a coping uh, a coping plan, like uh, ideas of things for you that work for you. I talk, uh, for those of you who maybe follow me on social media, uh, especially on my Facebook I talk a lot about self-love and self-care. And so if you're working with a therapist, again, regardless of whether or not things are not going so good in your life or that they are going okay and you just want to sort of fine-tune things, understanding what self-care is and how it can benefit you in times of distress or high stress or uh, discomfort or uh, turmoil, uh, anger, frustration, and Obviously, a lot of us have relationships in our lives, and they could be work relationships, they could be intimate partners, they could be 
uh, former relationships that you had that was very negatively impactful on your life and maybe you didn't realize it at the time and just in growth and maturity you've realized that you know there's some wounding there that needs to heal when you have a self-care plan that I always tell people it's not selfish and so that is something that I think a lot of people struggle with is this idea that if they prioritize themselves first that that is therefore a selfish thing to do and oftentimes we're more or less we convince ourselves to not seek that out and to not really understand what self-care is and not um, put ourselves first and so I found this you know online there's always these sort of motivational quotes and things like that and um you know, they can sort of send a message along fairly quickly and uh, the blink of an eye, you can read something and maybe it resonates with you and maybe it doesn't. But this one did resonate with me because it talked about healing and I'm just going to read it to you here now. Uh, Young Pueblo is the author of this and so it's entitled Healing. Healing yourself will ask more of you. More rest more self-love, more letting go, more time for learning, more space for transformation, more honesty about how you feel, more time developing good habits, more courage to try new practices, more time cultivating your inner peace, more faith in yourself and the process. And when we think about the culture and society and where we are present day, just the sheer speed and the access to information and the expectation that we, we're supposed to, you know, gain access to things fast and we're to respond to things fast and there's just a certain speed that's intensified over, well, in, in my years, <laughs> um, for me, especially growing up in a really small town and traveling back to that small town and just seeing how much it's grown in the short span of maybe eight or so years and the pace at which it has grown and the speed at which things happen, uh, just driving on the, the main roads and how there is so much congestion, like it really just sort of in, enlightens you to, and there has to be awareness there for you to view it through this lens, but it really just enlightens you to the realities of the world that we live in. And I think I just touched on awareness because we can, for the most part, we can meet the expectations. We're very adaptive as human beings. And so we can meet the expectations. We can uh, you know, get that fast food meal to our family because we have to make it to hockey practice or swimming practice. And so we can, you know, commute into the city and we can get home and we have this much time. So we have to meet the needs of the kids and feed them. So we go through a drive through like we can meet the needs and adapt to the busyness of life. But at the same time, really reflecting on is it really healthy for me as an individual 
And I'm not preaching that for some people, that's not the type of life that they enjoy that fast pace and, and they can, they can really tolerate that and live their lives and be quite happy. I'm not saying that that's not a thing and that that's somehow bad. What I'm saying is that for the, you know, some people, it really is difficult to meet those expectations. And when maybe they find themselves in a time of crisis or high stress, they start to realize that they don't have the skills, the coping skills to manage what is coming up for them. And it can be in the form of thought, or it can be in the form of physical symptoms. Uh, Maybe it's extreme fatigue, or maybe it's stomach upset, or symptoms of irritable bowel. It could be any number of things. And I'm here to tell you (laughs) that if you're not coping with the demands life has, has brought you, these things are going, they're going to creep up on you. And they, if you don't have some coping strategies, if you have not prioritized yourself, put yourself first, they will creep up on you and they can cut you at the knees. And all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you can't even perform the functions of taking a shower, of making your lunch, everything just shuts down and becomes really, really hard. And so it doesn't have to happen that way. And we don't need to push through life and adapt to the surroundings and the circumstances for what they are at a cost to ourselves. And that's why it's so incredibly important to understand what all this self-care stuff means and how to apply it to your life and how to prioritize your life. And so I trace that right back to myself and and stating that I had some challenges uh, and they're ongoing and they, they probably will be for some time. And there were multiple scenarios that sort of just came down the pipes at the same time. And... I, as a therapist, I do practice what I preach. I do have a self-care regime and I do work very hard at taking care of myself. And for those who know me, they know that, you know, I like to get a decent night's sleep. It's important to me. I need to have a good sleep. And so generally you're not going to see me out for supper at nine o'clock at night or late uh, gatherings, social gatherings. I mean, I'll do it every once in a while, but I prioritize my sleep and I'm happy about that. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I take my job very seriously. In fact, if I know I have a a heavy couple days, a big caseload, a lot of therapy clients, I generally make sure that my week is low key leading up to that so that I can make sure that I'm good and rested. And um, I suppose you could say uh, an athlete, you know, their job is taking care of themselves, eating right, exercising, committed to their sport as a therapist self-care I have to be committed to that because I take my job seriously and it was truly amazing to me that as I walked this walk of challenges in my life that were very emotionally charged at times uh, my self-care routine really really helped pull me through and I just really wanted the opportunity through this podcast to share that all with you because I just was 
kind of amazed at what I had put in place, what was in place for me um, prior to things kind of getting stressful, how it really benefited me. And um, that was in the form of appointments that I have set up. There are certain things that I like to do to take care of myself. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics. It doesn't matter. And I mean, it doesn't matter because what works for me may not work for you. And so that's the kind of thing that I chat with people about in therapy is, okay, this is kind of an idea of some self-care things. What is it that maybe in this list resonates with you? And so people will say, okay, well, you know, going for a walk, taking my dog, spending time uh, with family and friends. Okay, great. Let's try some of those things. And then people will come back and they'll say, oh, no, this, you know, this one didn't work. And I realized that I really like to, um, a big one for me and I have in my office is gum. So I have different flavors of gum and um, it's a bit of a coping strategy for uh, kids and adults in my in my space who maybe are a bit nervous, but we can also do some mindfulness around the taste, the flavor, the smell, the texture, the distraction of the chewing, and um, you can see it's all encompassing. And so, you know, maybe all of a sudden someone didn't realize that they like to have their favorite gum in their bag all the time, and they reach for it at times when you know, maybe they're feeling tired in the day, or they got off a phone call that didn't feel really good. Maybe they're just reaching for a packet or a a slice of gum. And you know, it sounds, it might sound minimal, but it's hugely impactful in those moments. If we have those things that again, resonate with us, because it's unique for every single individual. If we have those things that we can reach to in times of distress. And so as I say that, you know, there might be those of you who think, okay, well, the idea of going and having an alcoholic drink after work at the bar is my idea of how I'm going to get through my days is knowing that I'm going to do that. Okay, that's fine. But that can be a really slippery slope for some who maybe have alcoholism in their families, that maybe it runs through their generations. We want to be mindful of, of that thinking around and it could be like subconscious like you're not even really associating the fact that you're you have a strong desire to go for a drink after work that it maybe is related to that phone call that was upsetting or that sale date that you didn't make so you didn't meet your numbers at the end of the month um but if you again just going back to the analogy of the gum if you can reach into your bag and grab that gum and settle your nervous system in that moment from not meeting those sales expectations rather than the hanging on to the idea of going for the drink after work then you're not your nervous system isn't sitting with that those uncomfortable sensations in the body for as long a period of time and it also then doesn't become your go-to thing that eventually could lead to um, broken relationships, for example. And I'm talking the extreme end where maybe alcoholism, like I said, is an issue. And so it can happen super quickly. And um, I hope that some of that makes sense and that I don't sound like I'm babbling in all of this. I'm trying to kind of wrap it around and make it uh, make some sense again. But um, so again, coming back to uh, me just processing my own emotions, uh, it was really interesting how giving myself time to really feel the emotions and there was sadness and there were days where the sadness was profound 
and just giving myself, uh, like the, the poem just said, the healing poem, um, you know, more time for developing good habits and new practices, cultivating inner peace and space for trans transformation. That was a, that was a big piece of me making sure that I had time for myself that allowed the emotions when they came for me to really just be in them and, you know, feel as crappy as we all know we feel when we're sitting in these, these really strong emotions, but knowing that there's a purpose for honoring that the emotions have come, that they're there and that they're a part of you. And oftentimes there's that physiological uncomfortable that we will try and seek out something that makes us more comfortable because we don't want to really sit and be in the discomfort of the emotions that we feel from a physical, uh, from a physical level. And so, um, and also recognizing, you know, there's a lot of fatigue that goes through working through a process like that. And so there were days where I found that I was able to get some things done, but then I would get tired really quickly. And so I had created space for this transformation. And so I could go and lay down and rest. And uh, slowly and surely over the weeks, things did finally come back to a space and place where I felt like myself again. And I can say that it is a scary place when you don't feel like you can access that strength because the emotions are so big. But at the same time, I'm here to tell you that there is, and I firmly believe that this is when we allow this process to happen, this is the transformation that we can all feel. It's just so important to have those supports in place, that self-care ritual, that prioritizing yourself, uh, that recognizing certain things that for some people, maybe it's that they don't feel like they can be alone through certain things and making sure you are reaching out to others and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's they're coming to your space or they're just talking to you on the phone or, you know, recognizing that maybe there's some individuals in your life that really it's not a good time for them to be in your life. And, you know, maybe those phone calls before talking about superficial things were, fun and made you laugh but in a time of distress and high stress and dealing with um, trauma or uh, just emotional turmoil maybe you know those relationships or those superficial conversations there isn't space for that and so and that's okay there's no obligation to meet another's expectation to talk to you and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier is uh, we somehow create this idea that we're being selfish if we're taking care of ourselves. And so people will often push through the lack of desire to connect with someone that, and maybe connect isn't the right word, but the lack of desire to talk to a certain someone, but it's out of obligation. Why? Because it was a 25 year old friendship that maybe, uh, there isn't that positive impact on your life during the difficult time that, there is just there just isn't space for that and that's okay and so as I was saying as time went on and as I was able to honor and just be with the emotion and I had like I said my self-care routine I have it I've had it in place for years uh, because like I said I practice what I preach and it's really important 
And for me, this unexpected turmoil in my life, I was so grateful, so grateful to be able to take a step back and go, wow, this really, not that I never thought it didn't work, but when you're going through something, you can step back and go, yeah, this really does work. And I just, like I said, I really wanted to share that with you all. And then in time, as you get stronger and you reconnect back to yourself and you feel that strength and that familiarity, which is you, that reconnection with the you that you know exists and that is there and um, get then that sense of normalcy back in your life. So maybe you're getting back into your regular routine and maybe you've taken time off work and you're returning to work and recognizing that maybe you need to do it two days a week rather than five days a week, you know, and really honoring what it is that you need to, uh, to do. And so I just, uh, again, coming back to that poem, more rest, more self-love, more letting go. That's a big one. More time for learning. And that's learning about yourself. I truly believe that learning what you need more space for transformation, more honesty about how you feel, honesty around, you know, not enjoying going out at, a, you know, I used to laugh because people would make uh, reservations to go for like a steak dinner at a steakhouse at like eight o'clock at night. That was, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't digest that and then go to bed. So, uh, you know, more space for transformation, more honesty about how you feel. Like, I'm not going to feel good if I have a big steak on my stomach. And yeah, I can go and socialize, but I don't have to eat the steak, you know? So recognizing stuff like that. More courage to try new practices. Uh, more time cultivating your inner peace and more faith in yourself in the process. And that's such a big one too. Um, faith in yourself that you can get back to that place. Um, and also the process that it is in fact a process when we are sinking into honoring and allowing the emotions that are 100% normal to move through our bodies the way that they are designed and meant to move through our bodies. We're very, very good at adapting to uncomfortable and finding and seeking out other things to do to divert our attention from the uncomfortable in our bodies. But if we can find and create the space to just sink into that and allow the physiology to do, the nervous system to do what it needs to do to take that stress, to take that shock, to take that uncomfortable and move it through the body the way that it's meant to, then that's where we find healing and growth and settled and patience and relaxation and calm and enjoyment and gratefulness and connection and balance. And it is a place that exists. It is a place that is blissful and it is a place that I hope that through the support of this podcast and all of the professionals that I have plans to reach out to for season two, that you can all get a sense of there is always help out there. And we're trained as mental health professionals to work with you. And you know what? I know that people worry about being judged and it's a thing for sure but also a therapeutic relationship with someone that is a trained mental health professional is like no other relationship in your life. And I really just want to stress to people that 
you know, we're all human at the end of the day, but that we have specialized training that can meet you where you're at, not judge you, be completely unbiased, and also recognize that if for whatever reason, what you bring forward to us, if we're not trained in that specific area, then we have the capacity and we want to still help you if we just can't because we don't have the skills or the experience we have the capacity to refer you to our colleagues or to others that we're aware of and we're actually ethically required to do that and so it doesn't mean that you know your issues are too big for us i just really want people to know that it's not about that at all it's about us respecting you and realizing if our training and our experience is and, and what you bring forward is beyond our scope of practice that we we need to continue to help you and offer you, offer you that referral that's going to get you the best help that you need. So I will wrap things up for today's episode uh, there. And I hope that you have all found this helpful. If anyone has any questions about what I've been talking about today, uh, specifically around coping strategies or questions around maybe something that you wonder if in your life you're doing that maybe might be more of a distraction than and you want to sort of confront that you can ask me questions I won't be doing therapy obviously through the podcast but I encourage questions and comments and if you go to parentingwhopodcast.com you will see also at the bottom of that there is a an iTunes link and you can click on that. And if you find that any of the episodes, today's included, have been helpful for you, we'd really like to hear from you and if you could drop a comment in there. So there are none currently showing, but it takes, I don't know if it's 100 before they'll actually start publishing them. Uh, so I'm just encouraging people to go there and let us know. But uh, yeah, so send us uh, your questions as well. If you want to do that, you can do that for now. You could do that through julie at julieclarktherapy.com. And the link to that email is on my website, which is julieclarktherapy.com. And it's Clark with an E. And I hope that you all have a great day and uh, stay tuned. More episodes to come for season two. Bye for now. for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com.